As I record this, it is August 16th, and this is very much a time of year that people move. This might be moving away from college for the very first time. This might be moving into a different apartment or dorm room or graduating or moving to a different location or different city. Lots of people are moving, and I want to share some tips about moving, living on your own for the first time, being a big girl. Let's just get into it. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. This episode is like nitty gritty, just practical tips. I'm going to talk about the best house plants that even a black thumb can grow to my favorite laundry detergent. This is just going to be like practical, you know, your adopted mom, whatever you want to call me, giving you some real world advice. Now, again, this isn't just if you've moved away and living on your own for the very first time, but I mean, you know, up until your early 30s, there are a lot of things you wish you knew about practically living on your own that maybe your mom or dad just forgot to tell you. So we're going to get into it. The first thing I want you to like hard question, this is a little bit more um, abstract, I guess you could say, but what kind of person are you? And I ask that because this is obviously a huge question and I do this a lot on mentoring calls, but when I ask like, who are you? Some people get stumped, which is crazy that we don't know who we are, like our own selves, right? But I ask this when it comes to, you know, living on your own for the first time, because what you identify will really kind of shape the way you behave. For example, do you say I am an organized person? I am the kind of person who goes to class. I am a dependable person. And if maybe you don't feel that you are, but you want to be those characteristics, the book Atomic Habits, I highly recommend. But a takeaway that I got from that book is the way to get healthy habits is to show up and prove to yourself that you are the type of person that you want to be. So for example, say you're not typically a very organized person, but you want to be, well, when you get home, you can put A, B, and C away instead of just plopping it on the counter, right? Put it away, not just put it down. Or maybe you kind of flake out when it comes to meeting with friends, but you want to be a dependable person. Well, next time your friends ask you to hang out, make sure, put it in your calendar, set three reminders. You can prove to yourself and prove to others that you are a dependable person or whatever it is you want to be. Now, the language around this is really important. I heard a study one time and it was talking about people that were trying to quit smoking cigarettes. And there were some people that said, you know, they were offered a cigarette. There were some people that said, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. And there was another group of people, you know, same smoke for the same amount of years, like very, you know, controlled study. And another group of people who said, no, thanks. I don't smoke. 
the people who said, no thanks, I don't smoke, were 60% more likely to continue to not smoke versus the people that said, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. Because the people that identify themselves as a non-smoker, no thanks, I do not smoke, were so much more able to succeed. So this goes back to who are you? As it relates to living on your own for the very first time, this is a wonderful time to define this. I am an organized person. I am a person of faith. I am a person who values having people over in my home and making meals. I am a person who values having quiet Friday nights or making sure I have a busy weekend calendar. This is up to you, but you get to decide who you are as a person and living on your own for the first time is a wonderful time to decide that. My biggest, best advice for coming to a new city, starting a new school year, living on your own is to find your people. This is hugely important, especially if you identify as a Christian, because no man or woman is supposed to be an island. We were never made to do this faith-based life on our own. We were never made to live the Christian life on our own. We are made to live in community and having brothers and sisters who support you, especially when you're on your own away from your family for the first time is like, I cannot state enough how vital that is. So I would say week one, when you are find yourself in a new city or a new place, look it up, go Google it. You know, where are perhaps a college based group? I highly recommend Greek university I also recommend finding a church wherever you find yourself. There are, you know, millions of different types of churches. I, you know, whatever is important to you, but go to a few churches and find a small group where you can connect. Because if you are just walking in and walking out on a Sunday, you have not found your people. You have not found your community, but finding a small group. I talked to a girl the other day who really wanted to get connected, but you know, there was this really, really huge mega church and she liked it. She loved the messages. She loved everything about it, but wasn't feeling connected. I'm like, well, yeah, you got to get in a small group. You got to get connected. So I definitely encourage you to find your people when it comes to this time of life and hopefully find a Christian community because again, no man or no woman is an Island and we were never made to do this life on our own. Okay. Let's talk about house plants. <laughs> There's no good way to transition from finding your best life to houseplants. But like I said, I asked a lot of people what you want to hear about and houseplants is one of them. So let's get into it. When I was your age, I killed a peace lily. Maybe you have no idea what a peace lily is, but it's actually a pretty hard to kill plant. But what can I say? I've always wanted to be an overachiever. <laughs> actually, this is embarrassing, but my boyfriend at the time, his grandmother passed away and peace lilies are a very common plant given at funerals. And I don't remember the circumstances, but I somehow ended up with this peace lily from his grandmother's funeral. And I brought it to live with me at the sorority house and it did not live very long. I would have told you at the time, Oh, it's just because I have a black thumb. Like I just can't do it. Right. But now when I hear people say, I just have a black thumb, I'm like, mm, I argue everyone has a green thumb. It's just, if you choose to pay attention to your plant. Obviously living on your own does not require you to have a house plant, but I will say they do add beauty to your space. They clean the air and they're very affordable and actually very rewarding. So that girl who killed a peace lily at her sorority house, me grew up to someone who loves plants. Last I counted, I have 12 house plants and I know I've bought some since then. So I'm not even sure how many I have now, but they're very rewarding and very fun. And they're just like a little 
pet almost that is much easier to take care of. So if you choose to get a houseplant, a lot of people suggest succulents and or cacti. And that is suggested because they can go a long time without water. So of course, easier to take care of. But I don't always suggest that as someone's first plant because typically what happens is if you get a plant that does well with neglect, well, if you always neglect it, then guess what? It's eventually going to die. But if you get something that kind of signals to you when it needs a little help, you know what I mean? Or if maybe you have a weekly, like every Tuesday, I give this plant water, then you get in the habit of taking care of your little plant baby and you get to see it grow and you get to see it flourish. So my first plant recommendation, and again, this is just my opinion, but I suggest getting a golden pothos. That is what it's called. I'll link it right here, but a golden pothos, P-O-T-H-O-S. And there's actually several different types of pothos. You can get a regular kind, but they are a trailing plant. You've probably seen them in someone's house or they're popular at restaurants and stores. They're great for baskets. They're great in a sunny window. They're great in a little bit of a darker place as well. Of course, all plants need some light and they will do better at a window, but golden pothos are very adaptable and they start to look a little bit wilted and a little bit like they're saying, help me (laughs) when they need water, which is good because they're telling you, ah, hey, help a sister out and give me some water. And you can respond to that, give them some water, and it almost immediately perks back up. These are also very nice first plants because they're actually easy to share with friends. You can just take a little cutting from your golden pothos and stick it in water and it will eventually grow roots and you can give it to a friend and you can share the golden pothos love and you and your friends will all become plant lovers before you even knew it and you'll have a garden and it will just be wonderful and you can thank me later. (laughs) Just kidding. Are you in a sorority or interested in joining one? I want to tell you about Greek InterVarsity. It is a national Christian ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Greek IV truly believes that you can be Greek and be a Christian, and they want to show you how. Greek InterVarsity offers leadership training, conferences, retreats, and they even have a podcast, the Greek and Christian Podcast, all of which help you thrive in your faith in Greek life. This month in August, Greek InterVarsity is offering a special promotion where the first 100 people who subscribe to the Greek InterVarsity will receive a free copy of a little book your homegirl Katie wrote called Sorority Girls Can Change the World. So all you have to do is go to greekiv.org, fill out the contact form to get your free copy of my book today. Legit, I wish this existed when I was in college. Greek IV is doing amazing things. I've had the opportunity to meet some people behind the scenes. They are so Jesus-focused and cool and relatable and fun and make sure you make the most of your college experience. Greek IV is where faith and Greek life intersect. So go check it out, greekiv.org. I'm combining all my top advice, everything I hear most often when I have mentoring calls and putting it in one easy to digest course. It's called From Heartbreak to Happily Ever After and it is available now. I taught a similar style course back in January. I got your feedback, I learned some, and I put this together in four different modules, walking you literally from a heartbreak to a healthy relationship. We're gonna talk about healing from hurt, loving your single life, 
chemistry, infatuation, and have a shame-free discussion on sex. And then 17 things I've learned in 17 years of marriage. I put a lot of research into each module and I pray this content will help change your dating life for the so much better. If you've never been through a heartbreak, it still applies. You can just skip the first one and go ahead to the dating and loving your single life. If you are in a relationship, this also applies to you because it helps you find a healthy relationship. Evaluate where you are, where you want to go, and how to get there. Find all the information on my website or on Instagram. That's at Katie Bulmer Life. And Truth For Your 20s listeners get to save 10% at checkout. The other random advice I have for living on your own is learning to cook. Hopefully you have made it to this point in your life and you know how to cook at least a little bit of something. But I still remember very vividly my freshman year in college, my roommate and I, my poor roommate knew how to cook nothing. And one time it was her and I and several friends and we were hanging out at like 2 a.m. as 18 year olds do. And I started making pineapple chicken. And I remember there was probably about five of us in the apartment just chatting. And they looked at me like, what? what? Like I had a third eye, I guess in a good way that I could make pineapple chicken. And let me tell you, you want to win some friends as a 18 year old, (laughs) know how to make a few basic recipes because then I, you know, it just was a great skill to have. So I want to share with you a recipe. I'm not going to do the pineapple chicken one because that's a little bit more complicated, but this is a super, super simple recipe that anyone can make. Now, disclaimer, if you are a type A, I remember sharing this recipe with my friend who was an accountant and she looked at me with her eyes glazed over because she's like, I need to know exact amounts. I need to know exact amounts. I can't help you. This is more of a, like a pinch of this, a dash of that. But everyone else has really liked this recipe and can glean from it. So hopefully you are uh, can deal with a recipe that is kind of winging it because this is so hard to mess up. Okay, this is Tex-Mex chicken in a crock pot. Now, a lot of you are like, what? I just, I don't have a crock pot. I'm 22 years old. If you don't have a crock pot, it's totally fine. I'm going to give you the crock pot recipe and then you can very simply put it in a pan and make it as well. So if you do have a crock pot, you just put in, you can do a frozen chicken and put it on low. And then you're going to add, depending on how much you want to make, a can or two of black beans, a jar of salsa, a can of corn. And this is where you can kind of get creative as well. You can also add a cream of a can of cream of chicken soup or a block of cream cheese. And then you can add maybe some chili beans to it, maybe some more salsa maybe some more chicken, depending on how much you want to make. And this is a Tex-Mex meal, so it's kind of hard to mess up. And you just throw it all in the crock pot and let it do its thing for several hours. I would say if it's frozen chicken, at least like six hours, put it on at lunch. You'll have it later for dinner. Or maybe if you need to speed it up, you can do it on high. But to have that chicken all fall apart-ish, especially if it's frozen, you want to do it on low. If your chicken's dethawed, you can do it um, on low and it will cook a lot faster. But put all that together and then it's all mushed together, this delicious Tex-Mex black bean chicken creamy deliciousness and you eat it with tortilla chips. Let me tell you, boys and girls, you're going to win a lot of friends. Now, if you're like, okay, cool, but I don't have a crock pot, I would suggest just getting a pot, getting thawed chicken cutting it up and sauteing it on the pan first, nothing else, then adding all the other stuff I talked about and let it just kind of melt together and mush together. And just as easily you can share and serve that with some chips. Yummy, yummy. 
Okay. While we are talking about food, my other biggest suggestion is to eat breakfast. So many people just run out the door and don't eat breakfast. It is truly, you probably heard it said, your most important meal of the day. You are breaking your fast from sleeping. And it actually is better for you. Some people are like, oh, I want to save the calories. No, when you eat at least 300 calories for breakfast, it jump starts your metabolism. And you start to, everything starts to work more. If you're not eating, then your body thinks it is starving and it starts to like very conservatively use energy versus waking up, getting started, eating at least 300 calories or more. Breakfast is so important. I'm a big believer in breakfast. Another quick recipe. This is super easy and also something that is very easy to change up is overnight oats. I've played with this. Some recipes I like and some I don't, but essentially you can just get mason jars and I'd get seven at a time, one for every day of the week. Seven mason jars, put a half a cup of just dried oats, plain oats in there, a half a cup of almond milk, and then you can vary it up as much as you want. You could do some frozen fruit, you could do some chia seeds, maybe some nuts. I like to serve it with some sliced bananas and a little bit of maple syrup to sweeten it. It's also good if you like protein powder in your shakes or perhaps a little bit of vanilla to give it some flavor. Again, this is something you can definitely change up and do to your liking. Some people like apples and some cinnamon in it, but this is a very easy way you can do all at once. You can do it on Sunday night and then make yourself meals for the rest of the week. Get yourself a high protein packed breakfast. I promise you will thank me later. It does such a good favor for your body to give it some nutrition before you start your day. A few more notes about food. When I meal prep, it makes my life so much easier. So if you want to get together with some roommates or friends and pick a day of the week that you just meal prep and decide like what you're making and just do all the chopping and cutting and bulk cooking as you can, I, oh, it's such a relief to just know what you're having for dinner and you can just pop it out of the refrigerator and microwave it. Or if you've done some freezer meals, you can easily take those out and dethaw them as well. But I don't do it all the time, but when I do, I'm so thankful when I do meal prepping. And it's also a fun thing to do if you're young and just get together with your friends and do that kind of stuff, put on some music and meal prep. And at the very least, you can do some chopping and cutting when you get home from the grocery store. So I know that if we get home with a lot of fruit and vegetables, they are much more likely to get eaten if I immediately take them out, wash them off, chop them up and put them back in some type of easily to serve container, then they'll be gone in a minute, which is good. You want them to be eaten versus to rot in the refrigerator, right? Another fun tip I learned a long time ago about cleaning produce, a very effective, affordable, easy, green way to do that, especially grapes, because grapes can carry a lot of pesticides and junk on them, is I get um, like just a big mixing bowl and put my grapes in there and add about uh, about a, a half a cup of vinegar and fill the rest. I don't fill it all the way, but I fill a lot of water in there and just put my hand in there and kind of swish them around, kind of try and wash them off, you know? And then I usually put the grapes back into the container that they came in with all the holes because then the water and vinegar dumps out through all of the holes, rinse them off again to try and get any vinegar off and just put them back in the refrigerator. You can kind of see some of the like brown yuckiness that you wash off, which is very rewarding. <laughs> But that's a fun, easy, free, cheap, green way to clean your grapes, especially. And you can do that with a lot of other produce as well. 
Someone also asked when you should deep clean stuff. Now there's going to be just as many opinions on this as there is people on the internet, but my suggestion is to wash your bed sheets once a week and to clean the bathroom well once a week because bathrooms just get grody and sheets just, they, you know, apparently you shed your skin, which I know sounds gross, but they just need to be cleaned. And the kitchen, there's so many different ways you can clean the kitchen. You know, some people get all into cleaning the cabinets and you can like deep clean the stove. I don't think that has to be done every week because that's a lot. But depending on how clean you like things, how particular you are about that kind of stuff, I mean, you can get in there and do baseboards and all that kind of deep cleaning as much as you want. I don't think you, it's like a health issue if your baseboards are clean or not, but that's kind of personal preference. But I definitely would recommend cleaning your sheets and your bathroom really well once a week. Oh, this is so fun. I hope you guys are having fun. All right. Speaking of cleaning your sheets, I have actually recently found, and this is not an ad. I just have to give a shout out to Buff City Soap. I don't know if you've heard of this or if they have one in your town, but we actually just went in on a fluke to get our daughter a birthday gift, but found their laundry detergent is amazing. And it just gives me so much happiness when we're doing laundry because it smells so good. We got the clean cotton, which is just a personal favorite. But when your whole house, I mean, you know, that's an exaggeration, but a lot of the house smells really, really good because you're doing laundry. It just... It just makes you feel like the whole house is clean and I love it. It makes your laundry smell good. It's actually a very green option. It's made with a lot of natural ingredients. It has some essential oils in it. So anyway, a shout out to Buff City Soaps. They have some fabulous laundry detergent and it lasts forever. It lasts way longer than the stuff we used to buy at the grocery store. I've kind of alluded to this a little bit when it comes to meal prepping and cleaning, but I would encourage you to batch working is everything. If you can just decide you know, and this won't be a perfect science because life comes up, but maybe like Saturday mornings is your day to go to the grocery store, meal prep and wash the sheets and clean the toilets. I don't know, but having a set time, it just makes it easier because if you don't, the next thing you know, it's been two weeks, you don't have any clothes to wear and your toilet's gross, you know, like, but just having that set day. And again, you're going to be out of town and maybe Saturday isn't your best day, but whatever, having like a plan B day or something, but we have that set time and just knock it out and batch work. It just makes things so much easier. And if you do have roommates, it's also a great idea to maybe do some kind of barter system. Maybe if you're like, I would rather eat glass than clean a toilet, but I can cook really well. Hey, work it out. Maybe your your roommate's like, I don't mind cleaning a toilet, and you make a really good Tex-Mex crockpot chicken. Just an idea. I'm all about, you know, if you can barter the work or share talents or borrow talents or batch work. It just makes, it makes the life so much easier. Switching gears to money. So we have several episodes that I will link in the show notes where I've interviewed my husband. He is a just financial guru. He's learned a lot along the way. He was trained under the Dave Ramsey organization in Nashville. And that's just kind of our own personal testimony. We got debt free early on in our marriage and have never looked back. We are very passionate about, you know, telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And that is very, very possible for anyone and everyone to do. It doesn't matter your income. It's more, much more about your behavior. We have met tons of people who make way more money than we've ever made. And they're in debt up to their eyeballs. 
And, you know, my granddad is a perfect example. He never made over $25,000 his entire life and died a pretty wealthy man because he just lived within his means. So these are just, it's all about your behavior, not necessarily about your income. But two apps that my husband very much recommends when it comes to budgeting, and a lot of people think the budgeting is a dirty word, but again, this is, is actually freedom when you just take control of your money. So don't think of budgeting as a dirty word. It's actually very necessary and very healthy and mature. It's a very mature thing to do to start to have a sense of where your money goes. But anyway, the apps that he recommends are Every Dollar. I believe that's a Dave Ramsey um, app. And then Mint, M-I-N-T. These are two apps that come highly recommended. So there's enough material to cover, you know, podcasts for 15 days when it comes to tackling your money. And like I said, I will link those two episodes because I definitely have talked about it before and there's a lot to say, but for starters, just make sure you get an app and start to take control of your money. Another thing I would like to recommend as it comes to, you know, growing up, living on your own is you start to kind of understand, and hopefully I'm sure, you know, at least some idea at this point, but how much stuff costs, right? Because a lot of times it can be like, oh, you know, I want this purse and I want this new pair of jeans, but then you're like, huh, it turns out this designer is way more expensive than this H&M brand or whatever. And you can obviously survive with (laughs) the same jeans you had last year or an off brand. Not that there's anything wrong with designer as well. You know, this is all about budgeting. If it's super important to you to have like a really nice bag or whatever it may be, that's okay. Budget for it. But sometimes you might think, I don't really need that. I can do with a Walmart bag. It's up to you. This is not a right or wrong. This is just budgeting for it and telling your money where it can go and deciding your priorities because we're all going to have to choose. Unless you're the Rockefellers or whatever, you're going to have to choose where your money goes. So deciding what you want to invest in and investing in the right things. Another suggestion, and this kind of goes back to finding your people is I always suggest you find a family. This is especially true if you are, you know, young and unmarried and in college, finding a family. And this is kind of a mentoring opportunity. This is a time to make connections with people within your city. So for example, for a long time, um, most of you know, we lived in Statesboro, Georgia, which is a very small town with a big college. And it was very natural for us as a young family to have college students just in our lives. And we would have them over for dinner a lot of times and have babysitters. And it was so great for me to have, you know, just that young people connection. And I know that from them, it was helpful just hearing them talking about having a family away from their family, from where they're from, because they're away from, you know, like you listen to this, you're probably away from home from where you grew up. And it is we all need a family. A family is a beautiful thing. And if you can connect with a family where you are living now through college or whatever, it's a really just powerful experience. So you might be thinking, well, where that's a cute idea, Katie, but where the heck would I do that? I would suggest church. Like we said, it's a great opportunity get connected with a college ministry or a on-campus Greek organization. There's going to be likely grownups who are in charge of these organizations and just say it, you know, Hey, I'm away from home for the very first time. Are there any families that I can connect with? I guarantee you there's probably someone that would love to have you over for dinner and hang out with you. Maybe if you like to babysit, that'd be a great connection. But having a family away from your family is a very just mutually beneficial 
And now I want to talk about living situations because I don't know anyone that makes it to totally grown up hood. <laughs> Is that a word? To adulthood that doesn't have at least one not so great roommate situation. So first of all, maybe you never heard that. And you know, it's sometimes it's just nice to know like, oh, this isn't abnormal, right? Because living with another person is hard and we all grew up differently. And maybe, you know, we talked about this cleanliness thing, you know, maybe you live with someone who's super anal and wants everything spick and span. And maybe you're like a little more laid back or vice versa. And you drive each other crazy because one person likes it one way and one likes it another you know, that is life. And that's going to be co-working situations and especially roommate situations. It can be complicated. So first know that nothing's wrong with you, that that is definitely normal. Obviously, I don't know your specific circumstances or what you might be dealing with when it comes to a roommate situation. But I will tell you that, you know, even if you were to prove like, oh my gosh, they are just the most annoying roommate that the history of the world has ever known. You cannot change others. You can only change yourself. And if you are responsible for 10% and they're responsible for 90, you can change that 10% and just show them love and kindness because the most, you know, rewarding thing to do is to show up with love, even when someone doesn't deserve it, because I guarantee you, if you really do, you know, want to change, Oh, I wish they would be so-and-so. I wish they would be more respectful they're not going to get that way by yelling or by, you know, just ignoring each other or being frustrated, but you're much more likely to kind of win the other person over. Well, first of all, without having that motive, but just showing them mutual love and mutual respect. And I get that that's hard. You're like, yeah, but Katie, you don't understand. They're the most annoying roommate in the world. Yeah. But are they human made in God's image? (laughs) But Is there at least one thing that you love about them? You chose them as a roommate for something, right? This is like marriage advice right here, right? You chose them to be a roommate for some reason or another. And I get sometimes you're like matched and there's conversations to be had about that as well. But try and just see the good in them. Try and love them at their best and at their worst. And just, you know, if you have to stay in your own room and mind your business. But I'm just going to tell you that, you know, fights and name calling and passive aggressive, you left this here. So I'm going to leave that there. It just doesn't solve anything. So hopefully you're not walking through that. I hope that you have a great roommate situation, but odds are with everyone listening on the other side of this, at least someone is in a difficult roommate situation. And I hope that that helps you out. I also recommend checking out episode number 56 of the podcast. I interviewed Adam Weber and he has some really good insight when it comes to dealing with difficult people. Another good episode that might be worth scrolling back into the archives is episode number 51. Congratulations. You graduated. Now what? So even if you haven't graduated, I talk a lot about how to find community when you've hit the real world, because no one talks about this and it drives me crazy. But when all your life, school has provided community. You know, you've been in clubs, you've been maybe in a sorority, or you've been involved in something, sports, and you've just naturally had people around you that are your own age. But when you go into the workforce, who knows? You know, you might be around people completely different ages and life experience and life stage. And, you know, it's difficult when you don't have your people. So, 
You know, I alluded to this in the beginning, but I'll challenge you in the first year of living in a new place to say yes to every invitation. I've said this before on the podcast it is one of the most challenging yet life-changing challenges I was given when we moved to Chattanooga. And I said yes to every invitation I got, which turned out to be an incredible, incredible practice. So saying yes to those invitations will help you get yourself out of the comfort zone and meet new people. Okay. I want to close this with three financial things. (laughs) And some of you are like, yeah, Katie, duh. I know that because you were taught about money. Some of you, this might sound like a foreign language, but I want to talk about real quick 401ks, deductibles, and PMI. Like I said, you might know exactly what that is. You might think it sounds like a foreign language. Here's a quick rundown. Okay. 401ks is essentially when your employer matches money that you want to put away toward retirement. Now, depending on the company, there's a million different plans, but essentially you want to take advantage of your employer's 401k plan if it is available because it is essentially free money. So for example, if your employer matches $500 per year, that means if you invest $500 per year toward retirement, your employer will match that. I mean, that's that's free money. And I highly recommend matching it. I mean, like, why not max it out and put as much as you can? Now, if you follow Dave Ramsey, like I recommended at the beginning, there's also a recommendation before you do that to get an emergency fund. And that is very helpful because you want to have money in the bank before you put away any extra money. But uh, spoiler, (laughs) getting a fancy dinner and a fancy bag is not an emergency. So taking care of your for real emergencies. And then you can start to take advantage of that 401k because that that's free money. So in case you don't know, that is the very dumbed down version of what a 401k is. Deductibles, man, this is sexy talk, isn't it? Isn't this fun? So again, you may know this, it might sound like a foreign language, but essentially a deductible is what you have to pay before you get your insurance benefits. For example, say you have a 1000 deductible for your car insurance. That means that you have to pay $1,000 out of pocket anytime something happens to your car. Now, the higher your deductible, the lower you have to pay every month. If you had a $5,000 deductible, that means you have to pay a smaller amount every month, but that's a pretty big chunk of change you got to pay if something were to happen to your car. So it's kind of a gamble, right, that you choose. So you could have a super low deductible of I don't know, $500, but then you would have to pay more every single month. So hopefully that makes sense. That is the basics of a deductible. And the last super sexy financial talk we'll be covering today is PMI interest. And again, this is not a one size fits all, but generally speaking, if you go to get a house loan and you do not have at least 20% of a down payment, For easy math, if you want to go buy a $100,000 home, if you do not have at least $20,000 cash, then you have to pay an additional fee, PMI interest. It's just kind of protecting the bank because you don't have enough money, a down payment to, you know, cover themselves on that loan. So those are things that I didn't know when I was your age. I wish someone would have explained them to me. So I hope that helps you. I had fun with this episode. We talked about plants and PMI. Man, 
This is all the good stuff, all the good stuff for you guys. I hope you enjoyed another episode of the Truth for Your 20s podcast. I ask this all the time, but it truly, truly is the biggest compliment you can give if you take two and a half seconds, go to iTunes and leave a review. I met a girl yesterday who said that she found this through a Google search. And that is actually pretty rare for podcasts, but that is possible if you leave reviews. So do your homegirl a favor, leave a review in iTunes. And it would be especially awesome if you take a screenshot and share it on your social, give me a tag so I can thank you. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok, my two favorite platforms. I'm at Katie Bulmer Life. Thanks for listening, and I hope you got some truth for your 20s.